Hello and welcome to the Kearley Cultivation Podcast. I am your host, Dexter Kearley, and today our episode is over social media, which uh, this podcast is an example of. I've been wanting to do an episode over this for a while uh, just because it's such an interesting topic. It's such a vast topic. We didn't get into everything today, but um, I don't know. I figured like it was a good place to start. So I feel like this topic will probably make a resurgence uh, periodically on the show uh, just out of sheer necessity. I mean, it is one of the... Uh, Along with like the uh, the printing press, right? I mean, it, it it's uh, right up there with the uh, most groundbreaking inventions or implementations of technology that uh, I, has ever really happened in the modern world. So, uh, in this episode, uh, we uh, do get into how Shan and I were onboarded into the social media world and. We talk about memes and internet culture, how uh, some of these platforms are a new form of gatekeeping, and uh, how social media has disrupted power dynamics by like disrupting the corporate control over media, the corporate uh, monopoly on media. A lot of people would say, and I mean, and you can't argue that it uh, that its implementation has destabilized our modern society in uh, perhaps a good way, I would argue a good way. Uh, I heard, uh, I don't know, it was on uh, on social media, it was on an Instagram video recently that, you know, just happened to pop across my feed. It was this dude who, he was saying something along the lines, I can't exactly remember his exact phrasing, but it was something like, things are not collapsing, things are being revealed. So, uh, I know... Recently, I've actually had to check myself a lot. I've had the, uh, you know, the, uh, was it Stuart? I don't know. I can't remember which character it was that kept running around saying the sky is falling, you know, Chicken Little maybe, you know, scared uh, scared that we were in the, the midst of a collapse uh, when in reality we've been in the midst of a collapse for a long time. The modern world has a lot of different things that we're going to have to come to uh to a reckoning with around, you know, just different things. And I think when, when you start seeing all these things hit us, uh, from all these different angles, you start to think, well, now it's collapsing. But in reality, all this stuff was already happening. It's just now social media and, and the fact that a lot of these gatekeeping mechanisms for the control of information have been removed uh, we are starting to see them and talk about them, and they're being presented to us in a lot broader form. So that's kind of what this episode's about. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I think that this was a good episode. It was a little bit more conversational. We kind of bounce around a little bit. It's pretty fun. And Shannon's actually done quite a bit of research on some of these topics. So it's right. it was right up her alley, some stuff that she actually was excited. Uh, she bought a book for one of her classes called Because the Internet. And it was all about language and how the internet is changing language and language dynamics. So uh, it'll be a great episode. Uh, hopefully you listen all the way to the end and then hopefully you uh, 
you know, reach out to us, let us know. Maybe you can share it on one of your social medias or even just tell a friend. I don't care, whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, just listening to this episode is uh, support in its own way. So, you know, uh, I'm glad we're, you know, I'm getting this out a few days late. We're trying to hit the 15th of every month. We were kicking around the idea of doing uh, coffee with the Kirlies. But uh, last month and this month have just been crazy. We uh, recently just got back from Amarillo, visiting family. We had family in town over, you know, so it was like, you know, the way my schedule works is I work 24 on, 48 48 on, 96 off. So I'm on for two days and then I'm off for four days. So over that four days, we have to, you know, squeeze a lot of stuff in and you know, my parents came in for one four days, and then we went out of town for four days, and I mean, it's just been crazy. So, which has been a lot of fun. I mean, July's been great. You know, both of my babies were born in July, so we had uh, birthday parties and just, you know, uh, for their birthday, uh, we, we have a combined birthday party, but each of their days, we do sp- something special for them. So that killed days. And Anyway, everybody's busy. You don't need to hear about me complain about how I'm busy, but uh, it it has been a busy month. We are still contemplating some different ideas with the podcast and with the channel, trying to incorporate a little bit more content, possibly a little bit uh, faster content. I'm not exactly sure what the term would be, but being able to put out uh, episodes a little bit more regularly or just content a little bit more regularly. Anyway... Uh, thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for checking out the podcast. Hopefully you're a return listener or hopefully if this is your first time, you will head back and and check out some of our other episodes. Uh, I think white picket fence kind of fits into this, uh, social media conversation, which white picket fence was our last one. So check out some of our old episodes, check out the website, uh, if you would like, and, uh, Without further ado, uh, thank y'all for listening and enjoy the episode. What gives you the right? Well, I am a ticking time bomb of fury. This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. Let's see it. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? So stop melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. I'm the best chance you've got. So this is the social media awakening. So it's kind of interesting is, you know, years ago, uh, I say years ago now, I mean, again, granted, I guess Emmett was a baby when I started the podcast. Yeah. He's about to be seven. So I probably started thinking about starting a podcast, you know, eight years ago. And uh, which is kind of sad that I'm not super (laughs) famous and rich yet. But uh, I guess Someday. all things come to those who take forever to get better at something. But uh, one of my big points and things that I was wanting to accomplish with the podcast was to show that anybody could create media now. You know, anybody can create a show and put it out. And uh, at the at the time, that was kind of my point was I my podcast 
I didn't have a point to the podcast other than having people on the podcast that should have their own podcast was kind of my concept. And then I was going to show them how to do it basically like, Hey, look, come in, uh, I'll sit you down. We'll record this episode a couple of days later. It'll be out and I'll show you like, wow, that was really easy. Uh, so easy that a caveman can do it, you know? Uh, in, in a lot of ways, I am a caveman. I'm not very good at technology, and I've never really had a natural like proclivity towards uh, being on the internet or being able to engage with the internet super efficiently, right? Uh, but so social media, I think it's kind of important. We should probably start with the definition of social media because I think a lot of people, or I imagine like I did, it's like, oh, social media is what Facebook, right? It's like very narrow view of what social media is. But in reality, social media are interactive technologies that facilitate the creation and sharing of information, ideas, interests, and other forms of expression through virtual communities and networks. So that's kind of a, just a quick, you know, generalization uh, of what it is and um you know i was i was pretty pretty resistant originally to to getting on social medias for some reason you know it's a uh, i always think about it like whenever or you know in amarillo whenever i was on the fire department uh if a camera popped up or a news reporter showed up to you know to interview everybody would always run and it always ended up being the rookie who had to do the interview, right? Or it was like the low guy. Nobody wanted to be on camera. Nobody wanted to be on the news. And it was just kind of an interesting reaction always. It was always like, you know, the second a camera went out, everybody would like kind of dip out of view. Nobody wanted to be on camera, no, you know, on TV. And it was always kind of interesting to me. I was always like, why, why is there that resistance to media? Or do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I'm just curious when you said that you were hesitant to join social media, what social media platform was it and how old were you? So at the time, well, it was, I was on Facebook pretty early because I had made, when I moved to Amarillo, uh, the summer after my sophomore year, before my junior year, I had made friends with a couple of guys who were going off to college. And so they were on through, you know, Texas Tech or whatever schools, you know, Lubbock Christian, wherever they were going. And they were like, hey, you should get a Facebook account. That way we can keep in touch, which I thought was kind of weird because it's like one Lubbock's like an hour and a little bit away, you know. Um, and two, it was like, well, why don't we just talk on the phone? Like, why don't we Was call? that at the time where you still had to have a college yes. account? And I can't remember how I got on. Do you think that was one part of your original resistance to it? What? That you had to be a college student and you weren't? No, no, I don't think that was it. I, I don't know. I think I just had a natural, and I, I it's, uh, it's funny because what I would say is it's kind of like the hipster stance, right? Like, you just uh, didn't like it because like, it was becoming popular. Like I, I'm too cool for that or, you know, I don't need that, right? Like, in order for me to be happy, I don't need other people's approval or, you know, I don't know exactly. I, it's, 
it's kind of one of those uh, weird things that I think was programmed to a large portion of our generation. Granted, I was always a little bit anti-establishment as I as I currently am, you know. Did you not have MySpace then either? No, I didn't have MySpace. Okay. Which I guess since you didn't have a computer at home, I think that probably had a lot to do with it as well. Uh, we did in, in uh, North Carolina. I was on AOL and okay. Messenger. And I was pretty active on it. I mean, I would get home from school and instantly sit down, open up some windows, and I'd have several chats going okay. on. You know, we'd be talking to people. So, uh, But I think it was the profile you didn't want to make a profile. I think that was kind of my thing, you know, is like... Oh, that's the best part of it. I know. Well, and then like once I ended up getting on it, you know, and I mean, I say I like reluctantly got on it, but I did end up, you know, and the main reason that I really remember being on social media in the beginning was like to look at other people's pictures, to see what they were posting, because what most of my friends that I, like I, whenever I remember my early Facebook what it was was like basically YouTube videos. It was like people finding uh, music and posting. It was mostly music, I think, actually. Hmm. Uh, people would post like a video like, hey, look at this cool. Because I was always really into music videos. Like that was a, a like a low-key addiction, I guess. Because whenever I'd get home from school, uh, before, I guess, before AOL, you know, and I, I'd probably put a little bit of time in, but I'd always watch uh, MTV, VH1, and then like very rarely I'd click over the CMT, the country music channel. <laughs> but I would watch music videos basically from getting home until I'd go outside and play or do something, you know. Uh, and it was a way of getting music and ingesting music. And then once social media hit, I remember, you know how whenever you like built out your profile, you'd have like books you've read yeah. and you'd have different things and I'd always go to people's music like what are your favorite bands you know or whatever <laughs> surprised we ever dated <laughs> yeah well I was way past that by the time we met I was just kind of just looking for for a hot college girl to party with well you got that and I got that yeah. <laughs> and much more so uh in those in those early days it was you know really it was like using Facebook to see if a girl was single or if she looked cool. You know, I think that was the majority of it. But I, at the time, had no idea the power that was going to be social media. Uh, what was your, your onboarding? You you had a little bit of a different experience with social media. I yeah, like. I mean, I think, I mean, I was on the internet very young. And it was always on the internet because I guess my parents didn't care. I don't know. We had the what privacy thing so it's not like i could just get on any site but i could pretty much just sit on the computer for hours and do whatever i wanted and i don't know if this counts as social media but i would count it as my first social media platform and it, it was grab.com and it was the first site where you could upload your picture and you had your profile but it was for kids and it was gaming and like not cool video games like dumb computer games. I'm sure there were cool ones on there, but I remember playing the gold miner game where you had to like dig for gold. Oh yeah. And then you could post, Digger. you could post your score to your profile mm. and then you could chat people like on there. And so I had my pictures uploaded and that was probably fifth grade maybe. So that was the first one. And then I had MySpace. I don't even know if I would have like 
it's still hard for me to upload pictures, I feel like, now. Like, I couldn't imagine. Oh, I'm not even sure what pictures of me are up on the internet because I'm sure I had posted a ton of stuff as a kid that who knows where it's at now, yeah. you know. But, yeah, then I had MySpace. Then I had Facebook. And then it, it, I think during all those years, I was very much on the internet, on YouTube, on Tumblr, in chat rooms, on AOL, just on all these different sites where you could make a profile and and some of them you didn't make a profile, you could just go talk to people. Well, and really that's that's kind of what the internet was slotted for. It was like basically like, hey, get on and create your own content. You know, they didn't call yeah. it content at the time. Well, and I remember, <laughs> this again was middle school, but I would follow these fan accounts. And again, I don't even remember where I was following them. Cause it must have been Tumblr. I bet it was Tumblr. And it would be like celebrities or boys or things like that. And so I would make content, quote unquote, for them. So basically I could pull up like a picture of a celebrity. So let's just take like Jennifer Aniston, for example, and I could Photoshop it, but it wasn't like real Photoshop. It was basically putting it into Word and then like playing with it and then like writing stuff over it and coloring over it or whatnot. And then I'd submit it to them and they'd post it. And so that was me creating content. Right. And then I had a friend who created her own website in middle school and it was like a a place for all things Bushland. And so she would have like an advice column and an updates column and then just other random things. But like I would always post into the advice column and whatnot. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And it was all anonymous, so I could anonymously post into oh, the advice column. <laughs> well we'll we'll come back to to that in a minute, I think, because that's that that's got some interesting things. But you know what? In those early days, like you're talking about, it seemed like the platform was a little bit more innocuous, maybe like um, the the plat it it wasn't um, huge yet, right? Like a lot of people were on MySpace, but not everyone was on MySpace. Well, and I just remember it because again, I was in middle school at the time. It was my friends were on MySpace. Mm -hmm. There was no one outside of my school I was friends with. Right. I wasn't even friends with everyone in my school. Right. I just had my school friends also on MySpace, but then you can rate your friends. Right. You know, you have yeah. your top eight. So it was more for that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. It wasn't trying to be friends with people outside of my current circle. You weren't necessarily, um, like, projecting your profile out to yeah everyone. it was just being friends with my current friends or like hoping that people that you don't even know would would find your and follow yeah i don't you. think that was a thought yeah so like the the rise of today's platforms is very different because i feel like you know granted um i think that there was a lot of cia money in silicon Valley. actually there is a lot of documentation <laughs> that there was a lot of cia money in Silicon Valley with, uh, you know, for everything from like PayPal to Facebook to, you know, and it kind of makes sense, right? Like digitize everything and it's a lot easier to follow. Um, but you know, these platforms started blowing up and then it was like Facebook, uh, started to go from this like clunky thing that you kind of do with your friends to this like dialed in thing that where you have these algorithms and you can find you start connecting with people you can find communities uh you know it's just it changed i feel like around probably around like the 2010 ish 
you know, 2000, because I, w- I graduated 2007. I remember Facebook was pretty much ubiquitous by 2007 with yeah. my graduating class, right? I was friends, like, I would pass somebody in the hall and not say a word to them. But for some reason, I was friends with them on Facebook. Yeah. You know, super, super kind of a an alternative reality. Well, that's what I was going to say is, at least from my perspective, uh, college was probably when I was the most um, on social media. And that would be Facebook and Instagram at that time. And I just, I'm, I'm trying to think if at that point it had already grown past being just a small little bubble. But I don't know. For me, it still was, but I was just adding all these people I went to school with. So it's like you party with someone, you got them on Facebook. Right. And then you can all share your photos together. Mm-hmm. So I still don't think I was thinking of it too outwardly. Like corporately yet? Yeah, it was like my Facebook was where I met my college friends and had that little bubble. Instagram still at the time was just like you posted some photos. Right. I don't think well, it was anything and that big. Was like, that was like the early days where like you had the filters. Yeah. And so you could like make your photo look artistic. Oh, and everyone would do it like way too filtered. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, my first ones were, were, you know, it was like, oh, man, filtered to the. Yeah, it was just a dumb picture of a dog or something. Like the Old West or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or beer can on the front. I think I remember like specifically a beer bottle on my front porch. (laughs) I'm sure you did. Yeah, look at that. And then I had Twitter. At the time, but all I did was follow like celebrities on Twitter. I did not produce anything. I didn't post anything. I just followed celebrities. Which I mean, um, th- like you know, then uh, like now we have different social medias like um, TikTok, which I feel like probably the vast majority of users of TikTok are not posting anything on there. Yeah, it's you're like just the vast majority of people are watching. Which know? that's how I feel like I am now. I feel like over the years. I stopped doing a lot on social media, and now I have a few that I keep up with and just follow things, but I hardly like post anything. Which we need to be posting a lot more with the Curly Cultivation. Yeah, which is really bad for us. But it got to be so convoluted. Like Instagram used to be, like you said, you could post a dumb, stupid photo, you'd get six likes, and your friends could enjoy it. Now it's like, well, I got to think of a caption. Well, what are the hashtags? Well, does this look good? How do you make a reel? It's almost like a like a form of double think, because in one aspect of it, you're trying to post a picture and trying to get like a con like your thought out, right? I know with the one of our goals with the Curly Cultivation was to uh, influence, basically, right? We want we want to project our life here on the farm, family, family oriented, uh, self-sufficient, you know, uh, trying to be self, self, more self-sufficient and, uh, trying to become a little less connected. Uh, but at the same time, so you're, you're just like, Hey, here's a, here's a cute picture. Here's a cute caption or whatever. I say cute. Cause I think I, my, my mind naturally bounces to like the little babies, you know, like our little boys <laughs> uh, playing in the sprinkler or whatever. But yeah, you're right because there is this other aspect where you're trying to play a game. You're trying. It is to now hit, very much a game. Yeah, you're trying to hit like an algorithm. You're trying to, you know, which I'm. I was gonna talk about here in just a second, but we'll, we'll, I'll try to stay on my on my notes. Just okay, to, to go keep for on. it. So 
uh, the next little bullet point here is the power of social media, right? The uh, memes, the rise of the meme. We didn't even talk about how we started dating through social media. But that's oh, it. yeah. We could get there in just a minute. I kind of forgot about <laughs> yeah. that, actually. Thanks, I Facebook. can't believe I didn't. Yeah. Shannon stalked me on Facebook. That's how she found well, me. Well, as soon as you said the power of social media, that was the first thing I thought about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't. I mean, who knows how many connections, which that's another point in my down lower, you know, uh, you know, is how many connections have been made. People have gotten jobs. Oh, yeah. People have gotten offers to move different probably countries even all through social media, just through networking and connecting. You know, it's like a, a level of networking that has never existed in modern society yeah so without facebook we may not have ever ended up oh, together oh true yeah i am is a pretty small place i bet we would uh i would have found you somehow Yeah, we could have found each other <laughs> just um, much more intense stalking involved right <laughs> so um like but memes you know when like the uh the power of a meme is so crazy because when you see a meme um now there's two levels to it. One is the picture, right? Or the like little video or whatever. And the second is the words that go with it. I think of uh, you know, the guy that's like shooting the other guy behind him. That's Yeah. Is it, you know, and it's uh and then people go in and inject all of these different like little words onto the picture and it says so much. Like it communicates um on like this different level because there's the almost like base level with the meme and what the meme means or what like the picture means. And then there's another level that is elevated whenever you put the words to yeah. it. Yeah. So do you know where the meme originated or how it originated? Um, the, the original meme. I yeah. feel like I do know this. I know that meme is uh, based off of Gene. Yes. Um, no, tell me. So originally the original use for meme was based off of Gene and it was only meant to be used in like social sciences. So a gene is something that's passed down like your brown eyes. It's hereditary, right? Whereas a meme was a social aspect that's passed down. Mm. And so it was just meant to be used in that sense of discussing traits and whatnot. Well, at this time, there's a guy named Mike Godwin, and he noticed on the internet, this was about 1990, so still very, very early on internet, like, I think it was Usenet, mm, pre-anything right, right. else. Well, what he noticed is that in a lot of these, like, chats, the conversations at some point would devolve to Hitler comparisons. So everything would end in... Well, Hitler did that. You can't do that because Hitler did that. Are you Hitler? Mm. And he got really tired of it. So he set out to make Godwin's Law. And he said, basically, anytime you see someone just jumping to a Hitler comparison, you can quote Godwin's Law. You can just say this is, this is part of Godwin's Law. Mm. And so that kind of became a, a quote-unquote viral thing that everyone would say, oh, Godwin's Law. And when asked about it, Godwin said he was trying to make a counter meme. And that's kind of where it first started, this idea of a meme that's something that we pass around, but it also polices who is inside and who is outside. Mm. 
Because that's a big aspect of a meme of who who understands it and who doesn't. Right. If I show a meme to my parents, they don't get it. Right. And that's also the point of it. Not that we're always doing that consciously, but that is it's a community building thing. And by building a community, you're excluding. Did you ever some. did you ever have the ringtone or have the ringtone in your class that played a certain pitch? And if you're above a certain age, you can't hear that pitch <laughs> no. because your your hearing gets worse, right? As you yeah. get older. And I remember, um, I remember when the I was still in high school. Whenever the uh, the the ringtone came out, and it was really loud or like really high pitch, and the teachers couldn't hear it because they were old, and the kids all could hear it. So somebody's phone would like make the the noise. And all the kids in the class would hear it and kind of like turn, but the teacher's like, what, what was it? What was it? You know, cause they can't hear it. And I always think of that whenever I think of like memes or different things, like especially generational, yeah. it's like, if you see it and you know what it means, it's almost like you can't be explained it or taught it, yeah, but it's, it's just, it's there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, which on one, one more interesting fact about it. So when the idea of memes first came along, like Scumbag Steve and I think what was the the Philosoraptor, some of the early ones. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, at the point at that point in, in the internet, you still had to know what to do to make a meme, right? You couldn't just hop on an, a website and generate a meme just yet for some of the really early ones. Right. And so at some point in time, someone did make like a meme generator. Right. And people thought it would dilute the the memes, that it would make them... Dumber? Yeah, worthless if everyone can make a meme. But it, in fact, did the exact opposite, because the whole point of a meme is that it gets recreated. So if you are controlling who gets to recreate it, then you are limiting its potential, right? And it's like a way of like mining human knowledge, like... Um... I think especially when like the Will Smith slap happened, <laughs> which is funny because I remember, do you remember being over at the farmhouse the night that it came out? Yes, and I, I do. And I can't remember if it was on, if I saw it on, because I didn't even know that bullshit was happening. I didn't know anything about the, the whatever the hell, Academy Awards or whatever it was. I didn't even know it was happening, could care less. But uh, The it, slap heard around the world. Yeah, it popped up and I was like, is this real? Like, did Will Smith <laughs> slap Chris Rock, like, on stage? Um, and then, you know, like, I remember, like, watching, like, uh, I can't remember if I hopped on Twitter or where I saw it, you know, but I remember hopping on and, like, seeing the the video of him, like, slapping him. And then it wasn't an hour later that all of these memes just started, like, flying out, you know? And then, like, within, like, three or four days... It was almost like the news of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock was irrelevant. It was more like the hilarious memes the that meme were being that... generated from it. It's and like, my favorite part about the internet. Yeah, so I was like really getting on the internet, not because I really cared about that, but it was like the memes were so funny yeah. that it's like, okay, I got to and, – and it's almost like that with anything now, right? Like a major thing happens, a major event ha – I say major – a culturally relevant event happens. And what really makes it culturally relevant is more so the memes than it is the... Well, you know, the Michael Jackson eating popcorn. 
oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like you could just go to the comments and there's always just the people just uh-huh. like eating the popcorn. That's oh, yeah. I am that, that gif. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it is funny, you know, like even that, that meme, you know, of, uh, I think of, uh, you know, like the Homer Simpson, like fading back into the hedges. Like I think of that a whole lot where it's just like, okay, I'm going to step back, you know? <laughs> It's just so funny. and uh, But, you know, uh, one of the things I was wanting to touch on real quick is, uh, I say real quick, but the uh, the language aspect of it. Because you wrote a, bo- a paper. I did, yeah. Uh, do you want to explain that a little bit with uh, language hegemony? Yeah. I won't go too much into it, but I feel like a lot of people dog on social media now. So right. Many. That it's social media is this bad thing. This is part of the reason I wanted to do this episode, actually. Yeah, and so I'm not here to dismiss those claims. There are obviously negative effects of social media. But one thing that I like to focus on is the positive linguistic side of social media. So before social media existed, before the internet really, you have standard language hegemony, right? The idea that there is one true right language or one true English. And that is the only one that can get out in professional realms or any educated realms. So again, before social media, before the internet, you had to publish a book or get on the news or become, I mean, somehow get on TV. But most of those times you're still being highly gatekept And it's still expected that you are speaking in a certain dialect or else you will be ridiculed for it. Like if you're on TV and you're speaking a certain way, it might be because people are laughing at you, right? Catch me outside. Yeah, exactly. Cash cash me outside. There's a lot of gatekeeping going on, right? Like if you were trying to write a book, it needs to be done in standard American English and it has to go through an editor. That's about it. Like, it's pretty hard to then get out any other kind of dialect in a even somewhat professional or educated realm because you are expected to use one language. So even in the business world, you're not really advancing into the business world unless you're using standard American English. Yeah, you got you got to um, talk professional or what is it? Speak, speak professional. I can't remember. What do they say usually, you know? Oh, I don't know. They always just, yeah, you got to speak professionally. Can't understand you. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Now, with social media, you really do bypass a lot of the gatekeepers, and you can produce whatever content you want in whatever dialect you want. And so whether it's YouTube, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, you can produce whatever you want. And so I see plenty of YouTube videos of people using non-standard varieties, and then they're getting hundreds of thousands of views on it. And now, not that everyone has to like it or understand it, but it's now a way of, first of all, even showing that it exists. You can no longer just stamp out these non-standard varieties because they don't like exist in these realms. I think specifically of, uh, like, if you're using YouTube for... Like, let's say I'm like, okay, I want to change the the light bulb on the headlight of my Subaru, right? I hop on, and it's typically a mechanic who is like, okay, here, here's here what, here what you, you know, I, I even, like, slip into a different voice, you know, whenever I'm thinking about it. Because it's it's just 
normal people, right? Yeah. That aren't necessarily corporate or whatever. And but, they're also not going back and editing themselves a lot of times. Right, so a lot of times right. they're just producing They just speech. do it and put it out. Yeah. But then when I think about it is those are the people with the knowledge that I want in that situation, right? So I don't really care if it's a 60-year-old black guy from the South uh, or if it's uh, whoever, right? Like, I'm just there for the information that they're putting out. I don't really care how they sound. And a lot of the times, so, or sometimes, it almost is uh, better if they have, like, a non-standard English, right? It's almost more entertaining because you're getting this slice of America, right? You're getting this uh, almost, like, you know, more colorful uh, representation of America. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it just changes the power dynamics. Yes, power dynamics. Because it does give power to everybody. And so, sure, you can see, you can say that there is some form of policing on social media just through other people. You know, like I, I literally screenshot anytime I come across comments that are correcting people's grammar. And I just have a folder of it because it's like, oh, I got to save this. I, mm -hmm. Someday I'm going to write a massive paper and use all this as data. Right. But the amount of times that people will say, oh, well, you spelled this wrong or you used the wrong version of it's, therefore you must not know anything. I don't screenshot. Got to right. save that. But that's the idea that we all have. And so what social media does is change that, right? Because now you do get people, let's just say influencers, for example. You can have influencers of all different types who are now really wealthy and are partnering with some huge brands. So you can have influencers partnering with Target and Apple and Amazon and whatever else brand, and they don't necessarily sound a certain way. They don't need to have a college degree, right? They can bypass these other gatekeepers and still become highly influential in a community and still retain their own dialect. Right. And so now what you're doing is you're showing different non-standard varieties in a position of power, which has once been completely, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That had once been completely stopped, like right, excluded. Right, right, right. Or uh, I almost think flattened, right? It's almost like, hey, you have to be this one thing in order to get on a commercial or to whatever, represent a brand. Yeah. And now it's a little bit, you know, kind of, it's curvy, you know? It's got a lot of, yeah. and a lot of different people in it. I think if nothing else, you know, the idea of linguistic hegemony is that there is one way to speak, one correct way to speak. And so even the non-standard speakers support that. So uh, one thing that I was really like while we're on memes and language uh, to talk about game or uh, about uh, Wall Street bets. Yeah. Right. And so using um, using a meme to exclude people out of the community that don't need to be there, that don't understand it. A truck just drove by real slow. Two trucks yeah. just drove by real slow. Weird. Weird. That, you know, that's one of the things you can tell about, like, living in the country. Like, a, a car just drove by. Oh, oh, car drove by slow. What you do know? they want? It's like, I've only seen, like, maybe two cars drive by this morning. <laughs> two or three. And, like, one of them was your dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um... Yes, but, Wall Street Bets is so crazy. Yeah, so give people like a, a synopsis of what Wall Street Bets was, and then we'll talk about like tendies. Okay, so Wall Street Bets is on Reddit. It's a board discussion board on Reddit. 
And like with every single community, you begin to develop your own style. That's completely normal whether we're speaking to people or on the internet. You're going to develop your own code with your friends. You just naturally do because, again, it's, it's community building. Right. So Wall Street Bets was for traders, like swing traders online, and they would share their profits and losses. It just is a way more... <laughs> Oh, what's the what what a word am I looking for? It's almost like a spoof of swing traders. Mm. Because you are obviously dealing with people with money who are doing this for fun. Right? You're not just in there like trying to invest and take it very, very seriously. Right. This it, is, it was a hobby. Like yes. for all these people that are probably got money and they're just... And so they can post and say, Oh, I lost five thousand dollars today, ha ha ha. You know right. what I mean? Or I'm going to go big on this one. And so, but what started developing was their language of stonks, going to the moon. They want the chicken tendies. Um, oh, what else? I'm trying to think of. Oh, they were apes. Yeah, ape-in and, yeah, uh, and I dumb, I ape-man. So know. it's so crazy because if you go on to the subreddit and you click on anything in there, that's what you see. Stonks to the moon. I'm an ape man. You know, like, of course I'm dumb. I'm an ape man. So it's showing, like, how they consider themselves. They're not taking themselves seriously at all. And it's showing that through their language. And even though, or like, uh, basement, like, I think they made a lot of, like, living in the basement. Oh, yeah, I'm just basement. in my basement getting my tendies. Yeah. My mom's going to bring me my tendies. Yeah, yeah. And what was funny is it's an alternate persona that these people can create. So it might've been uh, a very serious individual, right? This guy might've been uh, an ER doc, right? Yeah. But then whenever he gets into wall street bets, he's an eight man. Yeah. And now I uh, read it as anonymous. So who knows exactly who all these people are, but many of them obviously do have the money to hobby swing trade. What was uh, the GameStop, the guy's name? Wasn't it? Oh was his gosh. username? Wasn't it like something like super? Roaring, well, there's Roaring Kitty. Roaring Kitty, but there was like he had another one. We'll look that up. I'll real have quick. to look but that up. It, it is just funny because like that's one of the things that these social media platforms allow you to do is you can be somebody different in that world, assume a different persona, assume a different whatever, and be that you know. So you could, you know, be. Uh, oh yeah. Deep effing value. Yeah, that's what it yeah. was. Deep effing value. Um, and so, anyway, you know, you you hop in there, and it's important to note that Wall Street Bets was at the center of the GameStop like explosion. Yes. Right. And so you got to think like these people are like, you know, they're aping in, uh, and they're making like serious dough. Yeah. So like this main guy, Keith Gill realized that there were a lot of these hedge funds shorting GameStop. And so that he realized, well, if we all put our money in into GameStop, we can make them go bankrupt because they're shorting it. They need the stock to go down. But if we all buy the stock, it goes up. Stonks go up. Stonks only go up. Yeah. And so it's just like, well, let's just screw it. Why not? We love GameStop. It's our childhood. Right. We can't let GameStop go down. 
And so they do it, and they actually do it, and they make, I mean, many people made millions of dollars. Right. And, and oh, oh, what was actually really interesting, and there are actual, like, papers over this, um, ling linguists did look into this, because it was such a fascinating thread of language, but especially during the GameStop time, you could go into Wall Street Bets, and people were pretty much writing narratives about why they cared about GameStop. You know, many of them were saying, I am invested in GameStop because my parents lost their home in 2008. And it was this hedge fund that led that recession or, you know, that was investing in that recession and which led to my parents losing their home. Right. You know what I mean? There was an anger. Oh, there the was a huge anger at the institution. There were so many stories of I'm in GameStop, GameStop because my parents worked for 50 years to lose jobs and I just want to stick it to the man. You know, my parents invested this and they lost all their savings. And see, you and know, then, and the, you know, it just went again and again and again. So it became this place of testimonials. Right, right. That so is you could go in and everyone was just sharing and they would share this huge story about why this was super meaningful to them and then end it with stonks only go up to the moon, go right, get your tendies. Right, right. You know, it's just, it's so fascinating. It is fascinating. Um, and it's that kind of part of the reason I was wanting to bring that up uh, specifically was the power of networks, right? Yeah. So the the problem is a lot of these social medias are viewed through the corporate lens, right? So somebody will say something like, uh, oh, Facebook, you know, Facebook's dead. Facebook's dying because the ad revenue's going down, right? But I think one of the good examples I think of like with Facebook is locally whenever you have these groups that are like moderated local groups. And uh, what is it, ERAF County Emergency or whatever? Yeah, there's a news page. Yeah, news page. And um, whenever like whenever we see like a plume of smoke, um, typically one of the first places that, you know, you – that you hop on is that page and you almost get instantaneous information of people messaging in and saying, Hey, I'm here. I can see it from this spot or, Hey, I'm here. I can see it from the, Oh, well I got eyes on it. It is this, it's this big, yeah. it's moving this direction. Right. And it's a really quick and efficient way of communicating. Yeah. And then, um, I think of, you know, some of the bigger events the the main moderator would go live and she'd have like a couple of radios going where she's listening to the emergency traffic and then she's also reading people posting in and if somebody posts some information in she's like so it's like a form of news that legacy media cannot touch well and that's what i was going to say the power of the internet and of social media is bottom up it is not top down. That's almost what kills it is the minute that any company comes in and wants to control it. Well, that's what I would say. Look at Twitter right now. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would say is when they start throttling, right? So yes. um, the internet is amazing whenever it is an anarchistic situation, yes. right? Whenever there is no um, external force squeezing it, right? Yes. Uh, and I think, too, that's what's fascinating with the language side of it is because language, again, is also bottom-up. We try to say that it's top-down, that you have to be taught this, you can't get a job unless you do this, 
they very, very much try to police it, but at its nature, language is bottom up. And so the internet allows you to play with language in that way through memes, through silly, you know, stomps, it's, whatever. It's weird because it's almost one of the things that makes humanity what it is, right? Yeah. It's like you have, um, I think, at least what I've been feeling a lot recently is like trying to understand what base humanity is. Like who am, like what am I without all of these um, external things that have been placed on me, like okay, you are white, even though I'm half Mexican, half Mexican, <laughs> and this right, you are uh, this or that, you know. And I think that that's part of the reason we've got all this like why like weirdness around the the culture war is because everybody's kind of like trying to figure out like what am I, what are we, you know. Uh, prosperity, how do we deal with it, this and that. But what's crazy is like whenever you just let humanity run wild, right? I always think of it at a playground, right? When we roll up with Emmett and Callahan to a playground, we don't know. Tip, you know, let's say we just go to a random playground and we don't know the other parents, we don't know the other kids. But Emmett and Callahan instantly take a different they they form the mode of hey i'm at a playground and there's all these other kids Emmett's running around making friends meeting people and before you know it there's no without any adult intervention the kids are playing an organized game they're playing tag and then you start hearing things that's not the rules though you know this that you're cheating or they're all hat you know they're playing and they instantly start to create this like almost artificial world that only exists between this group of kids that none of them know each other, right? Yeah. And that's what I think is one of like humanity's superpowers is the ability to um, self-organize. Yeah. And self-police. And the, ins- or the Instagram. The internet just allows us to do that. Right. It, it almost like it creates the the means by which yeah right and then and then you get these corporations that then come in like for instance i think of like twitter when uh you know donald trump was posting on twitter and all i mean it was huge right like i remember i'd never heard uh twitter so relevant right yeah and it was a polarizing force. But the second that they started deplatforming people and the second that they started um, trying to throttle it, right? Um, what is it called? Ghost um, oh. shadow banning. Yeah. Right? Whenever they started doing that, people like lost interest in it because it was like, okay, well, like we're not interested in institutional controlled or institutionally controlled well, and I think, like you were saying, for example, the Erath County one you mentioned is, again, completely just people. It's not funded by anything. It's just a lady who started it yeah, to share news. Yeah, it's not making any money, probably. And now everyone uses it, and there are rules, and they, most of the time, they follow the rules, right? Same with Reddit, where you have moderators on each sub, and there are rules to follow. And if you don't like it, you can go start your own. And that happens. There will be big splits, because people disagree about the rules and something, and they split and move to a different one. Right. And that's just part of it. So they do self-govern themselves. And so even if there are disputes or whatnot, 
they can then leave and go somewhere else. There's always a community for them. Right. And I think that that's, you know, um, one of the things I was want to talk about is like, I read this article cause I started, you know, anytime I come up with an idea for a show, the first thing I do, like I had the idea of social media awakening. Right. And so the first thing I do is like go to Google and I type in social media awakening and I see if anything else pops up and nothing else popped up for social media awakening, which I thought was really weird. Um, but the ones that did pop up, it was like there was an Atlantic article that I read, and it was basically this guy like shitting on social media, and he was basically saying how it was going to die, how social media was dying, and his point was that, you know, or he was talking about Twitter, how Twitter's losing all of this uh, ad revenue, and how advertisers are fleeing the platform and then he was uh using facebook and saying how facebook has laid off a ton of people like sixteen thousand people or something like that it was a crazy amount um and he was saying how ad companies are fleeing facebook and so he's basically saying like all of these things are dying you know, they're all, but I was, I thought it was really interesting because what he's looking at is he is measuring social media based off of the same way you would measure like a newspaper or like a legacy media site. And now granted, I think Facebook did get like really dumb. Like they almost put too much into Facebook or like they tried to make it something that it wasn't. Uh, and now Mostly it's older people that are on it. That's what I was going to say is, one, I think that most people forget that we are still in the western frontier of social media. This is still all relatively new and will take years to work out. And we are in the midst of a battle, which sounds so dramatic, but like we're battling for internet rights. Right. And what, what we can, how we can exist online. Do we need to be moderated at every step of the way on the internet, or do we have freedom there? And we are literally bad. It's like it is a battle oh, between yeah. us and corporations to who gets the rights to these. Platforms. And nobody, nobody is framing it that way. Like they're not framing it that way. But they, I mean, all of the there's a lot of acts being passed right now. I think like largely. Granted, I'm I am um, I would say I'm a conspiracy theorist. You know, but like you know, you look at um 9/11 and what happened in the wake of 9/11 with the Patriot Act and mm -hmm. in a lot of ways the Patriot Act was to throttle freedoms it was to um you know it was much more focused on domestic forms of communication than it was on uh which is what Snowden released you know and did we and ever Julia, go back Julia on the Patriot Assange. Act no, no. I mean, if anything, like that's what I'm saying is. Oh yeah, Facebook is literally stealing your privacy. Oh yeah, they're tracking all. I mean, they say that now. It's not even. Mm -hmm. And with the uh, coronavirus, you know, and then the January sixth and all that stuff, what they they're like, oh, we need to like reclassify, um, uh, terrorists, you know, and it. I guess not stealing your data because you are willingly giving it to them. Right. I they mean, are that, just taking that is one thing I had written down. It. If it's free. You're the product, yeah, right. Like the, I've heard that for a lot of years, and you know, it's like, hey, I can get on Facebook for free. I can post for free. I can get on Instagram for free. And if you're on it for free, 
then you are the product. The corporations will make money. <laughs> oh yeah, and like and you know, at first you think like that they're noble, right? Like I remember like Mark Zuckerberg was painted as kind of this, you know, uh free you know, for, guy, not hippie, you know, but he was like for the people. He was creating a platform for the people and he was resisting corporate And now interests. we just miss MySpace Tom. You remember it, him? Uh-uh. He was the creator of MySpace. I don't even know his last name. He was just was everyone's friend. Like he was just your friend on MySpace because he was a creator. And so he had like uh, this picture of just him and like a white shirt. With and it's just up. like Tom. Like, man, he was very unproblematic mm-hmm. as far as I know. Well, yeah, who knows? Um, but, you know, it, it's just the uh, the ability to influence that the Internet, you know, um, Terrence McKenna used to always refer to it. And he would say through the clumsy handling of the Internet revolution by the um, oh, what would he always call them? The dominator culture. Mm. Right. So he his whole thing was he was saying like, oh, I see. You know, the the archaic revival is what he would call it. Basically, the return of humanity to this uh, prehistoric, and I say prehistoric not meaning millions of years ago, but meaning like, you know, before the history that we've been told and that we have ingested um, of, you know, humans self-organizing and getting shit done and living happy lives, you know? Well, I think that the minute social media begins to die is when, one, they start patrolling it, and two, they monetize it for us, right? Like, it becomes a business. Well, so that's one of the things I was wanting to to hit on was, you know, this guy saying social media is dying. But that is not true. It's just shifting. It will if, continue shifting. If we shifting. look at the definition of what social media is, it's actually exploding. There's way more people creating content. There's way more people that are like even like with this with this uh, podcast, right? Almost everybody is getting a microphone in front of their own face and starting to say their own opinion. And yeah, well, I don't know. I've got many thoughts. I'm just trying to think which one to go with first. One, everything is being commodified, which has its upsides for sure, right? You want like, to move out of the sun? Maybe in a minute. Okay. Um, we are, we have a podcast, right? But I don't know if we ever started to make money. We just started it. Anyways, anyone's, everyone's trying to commodify everything. It's now one of the reasons I don't get on social media much anymore is because it's like the only reason to exist on there is to make money. And that's fine. I, I actually have no problem with other people doing it, but I'm not doing it. I don't care to do it. I don't know. It's just the game side of it. But then the flip side, I was thinking of the dead internet theory. Oh, dead internet theory. Yeah, and how that, I think, plays into the shifting of the internet for sure. What is the dead internet theory? It is how bots have pretty much taken over and are now the majority of the internet. And they said it was a switch that started around 2016 where bots became the when majority. When Donald Trump became president? <laughs> wow, that seems weird. I'm sure there is no coincidence there. There's no coincidence. You know the... Uh, <laughs> or it was only a coincidence. I guess that's what I should yeah, be yeah. saying. <laughs> I'm sure that was a coincidence. So the uh, idea is that even if you're in Reddit, you're speaking to bots. 
bots are in there filling everything. So you're not really speaking to another human well, and, and you can't know if you're speaking to another It kind of goes into the echo chamber aspect of it, yeah. right? It's like, I want, you know, in um, the powers that be, the powers that control us, um, they benefit off of us being radical, being radicalized. Um I was just gonna see how you how you accomplish this. Got it. <laughs> Shannon is choosing to move out of the sun because um, we have to shut off the AC in order to record because it's so loud in the room that so like it is like steadily like our timer starts as soon as we start because it's gonna get too hot to record. Yeah, and our AC doesn't the, work very well anyway. Turn the AC on. Um, but yeah, the powers that be want to keep us radicalized to where two individuals with contradictory opinions, which that is what makes us individuals, right? Everybody's going to have their own opinion. You're never going to fully agree with everyone around you. Well, and you shouldn't, you should, you should, that's how you make change and you grow and you, and, but, but the thing is, if you have a person who is slightly to the right and a person who is slightly to the left, they're going to agree on 95% of everything, right? If you have a person who is far right talking to a person who is far left, they're not going to agree on anything almost, right? And so... Which, hold on real quick, look at what happens when people agree. Look at GameStop. Exactly. It costs people millions and millions of dollars. Exactly. It's like... Because they all got together and agreed on what something. You, what you don't want if you're... And now this is what I do want, right? What I want is poor black people and poor white people to get along. Or, let's say, rich black people and poor white people, right? If you start agree, if the, if the, these groups that have um, surface-level differences, right, that you can, like, see from across the room, if they start getting to the point where they're like, hey, we maybe disagree about some of this stuff, we maybe disagree about this stuff, but we agree on these few things... Which I think when people realize that everybody, excluding a few crazy people, we all want health, happiness, and for our children to have a good future. That's what the majority of people in America and around the world want. Oh, yeah. Now, we have different ideas about how to get there, but when we can all realize that we all want the same thing, then at least we can um, approach each other with empathy and see and this is where i think that the to me yeah they don't want us the social media awakening is what or what i think it is is the social media awakening is if people start producing their own content with their own thoughts before long what you're going to realize is that we're pretty much the exact same and that the lines that divide us are in which granted I am, you know, I would consider myself more of an anarchist than any other political affiliation, you know, libertarian, just because that's the only option to vote that is semi, you know, uh, anarchistic. Not so but, radical right now. But, you know, I mean, really, it's like if I believe, I believe if you take a group of people that, you know, you're going to, most people agree. Man, I don't want to spend my entire life working. I don't want to spend my entire life just worrying about money or just worrying about this or that. 
if if you really break it down, most people want to have their family and have time to spend with their family. And it's like, we just recently had a, a, a good buddy of ours, a close family friend that passed away, you know, and in the wake of somebody dying unexpectedly or tragically, most people come to the realization that it's like, man, I spend way too much time doing these things that don't mean anything to me. And I spend very little time focusing and uh, engaging on the things that do mean a lot mm -hmm. to me and that are important to me. And, you know, I think if we can, I think part of the social media awakening is that it's the turn off your news, turn off the legacy media, turn off all of these things that are telling you what to think and are telling you like presenting information in a leading way. They're making way. you angry. Yes. Purposefully. Pers purposefully. Or they're making you dumb purposefully. Yeah. They're giving you bad information. Well, and I think this is a good time to mention Megan Phelps Roper, who was a member of Westboro Baptist. And she now has, she has a TED Talk. I'm not, I don't think she has her own podcast, but she has a book and she has a TED Talk. And she's been on other people's podcasts. And most notably, she did the witch trials of J.K. Rowling and interviewed J.K. Rowling. Mm. But her story is that she grew up from like a baby. You know, she was in the Westboro Baptist family. So that's all she had known. Her entire family is Westboro Baptist. She knew nothing else. And she was adamantly for them, right? Like she thought they were right. And so she said she grew up protesting and making signs and just learning, learning different tactics and whatnot. Then she said as she got older, I don't know if she was 15, 16, somewhere in there, her job for the family kind of became an online presence and how to, how to strategically get their word out, mm. right, and protest online and whatnot. So she said she became more involved on Twitter. Long story short... Twitter is, is ultimately how she left the Westboro Baptist Church because she said that was the only place that she was getting exposed to different ideas. And so she said whenever she was on Twitter or even protesting in person and people would come up to her yelling at her, you're crazy, you're going to hell, whatever, it only fueled what they thought already. Yeah, it uh, reinforced her. Yeah, because in her already. mind, that's what she was saying is, I'm trying to live out God's word. Look what people did to God. Like, they killed Jesus. So, of course, they're going to hate me, too. If I'm trying to spread the word of Jesus, then, of course, they're going to hate me. I'm yeah. doing it right. And now they would be protesting at soldiers' funerals. And they would be protesting for, like, against gay people. They'd be protesting against all these different... I mean, it's not just a normal church. It was a extreme radical church. Right. But she said, you know, she thought that was normal. And anyone who opposed her, of course they did, because... They're not saved. Yeah, it's they almost, don't get it. it's almost uh, you know, what do they call that? Um, where it reinforces the the belief. Like, yeah. She said the only... Affirm, affirming... Oh, I can't even think. Okay, go ahead. She said the only reason she ended up realizing how her family was wrong was through people being kind to her. And so she said, and I don't, I don't even know why they protested all these things. I don't know exactly all their beliefs. But I know she talked about protesting Jewish people a lot. And there's one guy she ended up kind of making a connection with through Twitter who was always very kind to her. And so she said she would be protesting in person like at his Jewish church. 
And he would come up and say, hey, I brought you a sandwich. Do you want to talk? Do you mean to explain, like, what kosher is? And, you know, just kind of talk to her. And she said it was extremely disarming. And ultimately, it was how she made relationships outside of the church, which showed her different perspectives, which made her leave the church. Right. So it just shows the power of speaking to people. I mean, the power of social media, one. She would have never met these people outside of social media. And then, two, people who were willing to just talk to her. And even though, like, she probably wanted them dead, they spoke to her and ended up showing her how she was wrong. Nobody had ever showed her that before because nobody had just sat down and talked with her. Right. So I just think that's kind of crazy. So now she talks about it a lot, about how we have the power. We have the power. Right. If we only would acknowledge it. Well, and and I think uh, a big portion of it is... You know, I I think back on, like, my opinion of social media at the very beginning, whenever I very first was exposed to it, and I had these preconceived notions of what it was, right? And then I was also relying on people to tell me what it was. But then eventually you have this self-realization, or, uh, you know, you realize something, and you say, oh, wait a second. What do I think about that? How do I view that? What is this? You know, what does it mean to me? And then you end up, you you can say, well, you know what? I want to start a podcast because I want my opinions or thoughts to be out there. That way people can respond to me, not the image of me or the thought of what I say or the thought of what I think, right? They're actually responding to what I think, like not the idea of me. You know, it's interesting because it kind of makes me think back to the beginning of memes, how people thought that if everyone could make a meme, it would dilute it. And instead, it just exploded. Well, and that's what I thought whenever I was reading that um, that article from The Atlantic. First off, that dude was probably a communist. I mean, like whenever I was like reading his words, I was like, this dude probably is a communist, you know, Um but it was it's this interesting aspect where like you know why is social media dangerous well it's dangerous because all of these people can put out their thoughts and yeah. the public is too dumb to be able to have their own thought right and so you end up getting in this like weird uh this weird space where it's almost like the you know the people with affirmative action. I saw some really funny reposts of white people who were like, "Look, if we get rid of affirmative action, black people don't have a chance. Like they don't have a chance on you know. <laughs> yeah. Like if if we level the playing field and we actually just like you, people, black people won't have a chance at it. You know, poor people, they're so dumb that if we don't put our finger on the scale they'll never they'll never grow they'll never you know and it, it's just interesting this like you know I, i'm trying to get on here at a virtue signal that i like poor people or that i want poor people and black people or whoever minorities i want you know women right i always thought it was so funny to me because we had this little fireman small group in amarello and all of the women in the small group were higher educated than the men, right? We're all firemen and y'all are all getting your master's degrees and, you know, educators and, uh, higher level 
educationally, right? And so it's like, but, you know, if you were to believe the leftists, women don't have a chance. Like, women are, you know, oppressed and don't have a chance at any, and then I'm like looking around and like, almost everywhere I go, it's like, no, the women are actually higher educated than the men. They, they, though, and I, you know, a lot of times there's been multiple situations where, the women are making more money than the men. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I think it's it's a bit of both because I still believe that sexism exists. Oh, 100%. You know, that still exists in the workplace and outside of the workplace. However, it's equally as bad to say, well, if we don't do anything about it, a woman's not going to stand a right, chance. Right, right. It's like, Excuse it's me? almost like this reverse, like, uh, prejudice-ness, you know, right? Yeah. It's like through virtue signaling what you're actually saying is like you're showing your thoughts these people are dumb these people are too dumb and like that's what i always feel like whenever i hear people talk about social media and stuff is like it's this prejudice saying like well we can't let just whoever post because if we do then it'll all be the only things that are dangerous the only things that are going to be posted are um you know, bigotry and misinformation and it's this hatred. And, you know, one of the main things that I watch on YouTube a lot is, is gardening stuff. And what's really cool and been like really inspiring to me about that, that a lot of these channels that I find, they're not the conventional people that you would think, right? It's not like every single person is this cookie cutter. Like there's, Black people, like one of the guys that I follow a lot, he, uh, can't remember his name, but his motto is, he's a pimp. It's a permaculture is my passion, is what he always says. But he's like a retired army guy, black dude. And it's been interesting. I've loved watching his channel because of how he has grown and changed. And you can see growth, right? You can watch these people. And they are growing and changing and progressing, right? It, it shows this uh, malleability to humanity that the mainstream media and I think uh, legacy media does not want you to think exists, right? Yeah. You know? Well, and again, I think we're fighting for our rights on platforms. Do we need corporations or the government to come in and say what we can and can't say to protect us? Right. Do we need that? Or are we capable of handling it ourselves? Well, and uh, that's one, one of the things I was wanting to talk about is some of these new media things. Is like I think of a valuetainment is one example. Um, Timcast, uh, those are two things that I listen to quite a bit. Uh, Tim Pool has a brand. and It's one of the things that I really uh, was disappointed in Joe Rogan for taking the Spotify deal instead of creating his own network, right? Because that is where power exists is whenever whenever you have these different, you know, I think of like Rumble is a good example. A lot of people are on Rumble because it's self-proclaimed we are not going to censor you. I go back and forth because I think you're right. I think that's where power exists. But it's kind of like the streaming services. How many streaming services can you truly have before people are tired of it and something needs to give? What do you mean? Well, like for just use the streaming services, it started out with Netflix doing the doing this cool thing where you can stream a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And now we have Netflix, Hulu, Disney, HBO, Amazon, Tubi. 
I think, what's the other one? There's like Peacock. There's all these different ones. So now sometimes I look up a show and it's like, cool, I'm paying for five services and I can't even watch the one show I want to watch. Well, and see what's... And that like that will have to evolve because that's see, not going to stay like that. But see, to me, at least this would be like, a, this is more like of an economic theory, right? Uh, laissez-faire capitalism, right? I would almost say... It needs to be more – the more services you have competing to make you happy, the better it's going to be for the consumer. I, so like, I don't know. I don't think as of right now that's the case. But you got to remember – I don't think the consumer much, is winning, how much winning did, events How much did cable used true. to cost? Do you remember whenever you had to pay for your cable provider? You had basic yeah. cable and then you had cable providers, right? Yeah. I would argue to say it might be around the same amount of money. Right, if you're if you're buying four, oh, or five it's still probably more expensive services. to have cable. Probably right, and I'm so, just not getting to watch what I want to watch at all times. But whenever you <laughs> had cable, you couldn't watch what you wanted to watch. True, you know, so it, it's like almost well, like a relative. I'm saying it's going in the right direction, but this is not the end product. Well, it can't I, be, and it I, won't be. Innovation yeah. will happen, and this will probably be where the point that we finish the podcast on. Because I agree with you. What what I think is when this guy at the Atlantic was saying that the social media is dying. What I actually think is I go more to like the Mayan view of an apocalypse. A lot of people freaked out in 2012 because they were like, Hey, look, we're reading this Mayan calendar. Our best interpretation is that it's about to end. And so they were saying the Mayans predicted the end of the world as we know it. And that's what they would say, right? They would say, no, an apocalypse is birth, right? You go from a baby in the womb where you're comfortable and you're protected and you're fed to like, man, you're pushed out of a vagina into the world and now you're cold and you have to eat and you shit. I mean, which has, have things been the same since 2012? No. Well, no, that's what I would say is like their opinion is it's a birthing process, right? And so it is painful and it's scary and you could die, right? But on the other end, there will be a new life. There will be a new understanding. And and that's what I think about with like this younger generation. And whenever I say younger generation, I'm talking like Emmett and Callahan, right? They're not on social media. What are they? Aren't they Gen A again? Didn't they go back to A? I don't know what they are. I'll have to go back to Um, that. I don't know what they are, but... You know, you think about when they start getting on platforms, they're going to almost be, I almost imagine like micro platforms, right? To where it almost goes back to how you were talking about with uh, MySpace, mm-hmm. where you're, or that website that your friend made, right? It's almost going to go back to this exclusiveness where it's like, hey, we're all through the tour, pro- we're all through uh, tour. And everything is untraceable and untrackable. You have to have, you know, a crypto NFT to in order to even enter into this website, right? It's almost going to like take this flip side where a lot of the social medias are going to be completely hidden. Well, what I think is interesting, which you we've talked about it, that podcast uh, I was listening to, it was Rob Lowe's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. He had Penn Badgley on, and they discussed social media, and they were both saying the same thing. They're like, social media is dead. Like, we don't even care anymore. Coming and from two dudes that are pretty much irrelevant. Um, I would argue that Penn Badgley is no, not no. I love, I love the dude. I love the dude. And but I I'm, still love Rob Lowe. Now, granted, but but what I'm saying is, both of those dudes are so famous. 
that they don't they don't use things the same way that oh they don't use it like Penn Badgley gets on TikTok solely for promoting his podcast right but that's the point social media is now for promotion right it's not meant for you and me just to see our friends anymore right and I think of that all the time so I get on Instagram and I scroll through. And it's company, 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 influencer company. Ad, ad, ad. ad. And even on my homepage, it's sponsored ads. Yeah, I'm not even seeing who I follow. And so I wish, what I actually wish on Instagram is that I had like two tabs. I had a tab of just my friends. Because I don't even see my friends posting anymore. Right. And then I can go to my business page and look up businesses I like over there. But I wish I could separate them because I stopped getting on it because all I'm looking at are things to buy. Or influencers telling me, it's Prime Day. Spend your money here. It's like, on Amazon shitty products? No. Just because they're making a commission off of it. But at the same time, I can't go see my friends anymore because it's blocking them. Mm -hmm. Like The the algorithm's not showing them. So that aspect of it is going to shift because I'm not even getting on it as much because I can't even see my friends. That was the whole point of it. Now it's all just a commodification product. Mm. So that will shift. I mean... I don't think social media is dead, but yes, I think people are wanting connection. And how am I connecting with businesses? I almost think of it as like, you know, uh, a uh, caterpillar entering into a cocoon. And then the cocoon gets hard and looks dead. Yeah. And then it splits open and something completely different than when in comes out. And, and you know, it's it's funny because... We always look to these, you know, these billionaires or these big corporations as if they're going to provide us with some sort of answer or value. And it's like, nah, those, you know, those people are literally just trying to suck your blood. Yeah. I actually think of The Bachelor. I think it's a good way to view social media or to show the power of social media and the evolution of it. Because people used to go on The Bachelor or Bachelorette have their 10 minutes of fame, and then return back into obscurity, right? There was no social media at the beginning. Right. Then there became social media, and you would maybe have people looking you up, and that was about it. And then you still went back to your regular job. Then there was a boom. It was like when social media took off. And if you made it onto The Bachelor show, you were set. Because you would immediately gain hundreds of thousands of followers, and then if you could get on Bachelor in Paradise afterwards, you're you're good. Oh yeah. Like you could quit your job and do influencing full time, and that's what many of them like. There is a bubble of those people that that's all they do now. They were able to commodify it, make podcasts, or sell a product, or just through their Instagram ads, they could quit their jobs and they live in very big houses just off of that. Right. But now the like I think Zach was the last Bachelor. He maybe got a hundred thousand followers off the show. But the bubble popped because there's only so many people we can care about. Right. And when you're already invested in these past couple leads, you just can't it, – it, it can't sustain that for every season. And so now he did go – he went back to his job. And the people coming on now are not set for life once they get on the show. You can maybe play your cards right and get into influencing after it. It's like but it ages – But it's no longer It's like same. it ages out. Like, and I, I do think, you know, they talk about the generational, uh, acceleration, right? Like, you know, uh, back in the day you were a a potter, right? Um, yeah, you lift it up and you can turn that, turn that to tighten it, but no, lift it up first. Yeah. There, now tighten it. Um, 
No, you got to tighten it. Well, you got to actually turn my hands it. Hands don't work. Um, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Might stand troubles. Um, but you know, like I'm a, a potter because my dad was a potter, right? I'm a blacksmith because my dad was a blacksmith, right? You just kind of fell into the family business. And now, you know, we even, it's funny because, uh, we have, uh, you know, a friend that we made down here and like both of the parents are professional rodeo people, cowboy to the gills, you know, but their kid is like, you know, like fly, you know? Oh like, yeah. He wins gold chains. Yeah. And it, it's just so funny. And a because, sports car. Yeah. It's just so funny because it's like, well, you know, his, his parents like not only are one thing, but they're like the pinnacle of that one thing. And then it's like, of course he's going to come out and be like, I don't want, but he's know. exposed to other things. He now sees exactly, other exactly. Yeah. And so, but the acceleration of it, right. So like, like I, it, it's weird because stuff times out so quickly now that I almost I'm almost I'm almost positive that I won't be the same person in four or five years or I'm not going to view the same thing right much less view it the same way that my parents viewed it yeah and then there's uh, no way that I'm going to view it the same way that my grandparents viewed it like the generational gaps is like accelerating and yeah and, it's, and so it's almost funny like. To imagine a social media being relevant for many years, right? Well, it just, just doesn't think, make sense almost. If you think about it at the beginning of that Bachelor bubble, you could scroll through your friends. And so now you add in a few Bachelor people. So you can scroll through your friends and keep up with Bachelor people and whatnot. But now at this point, you would only be scrolling through Bachelor people if you right. kept up with all of them. It's just you physically can't do it unless right. you're going to be spending hours and hours just following Bachelor people, which is stupid. Nobody cares about that. It's only fun in small doses. Right. But when it starts taking over, and that's just one facet. Like there's other cultures, subcultures oh, yeah. that you want to participate in. Yeah, like if I'm if – I'm, So uh, it just can't fit in that little I'm grid. If I'm trying to watch like a jiu-jitsu something, right, like how many how – many incredible athletes am I going to follow? Cause there's an unlimited amount of people who are doing yeah. cool things and are innovating and are amazing athletes and who are putting out good content. You know, you can't follow them all. So there's almost like this natural limiting factor, which is now almost back to Hollywood, you know, Hey, you can go make it, you can go to Hollywood and you have very rare or very slim odds of making it. Right. Big time. Right. Whereas social media, you used to be able to get on and make YouTube and, there was a, a bubble where you could ride it to the top and oh yeah it make was, a good money. Well, and then like, now there's so many people doing it. It's, it's and it's almost like with this podcast, even yeah. You there's know, so many like, podcasts. It's like so hard to imagine it blowing up or getting bigger. I don't even even say blowing up because I don't want to blow up, but you know, getting more and more listeners because I'm like, how man, many people have podcasts and how many amazing podcasts are there out there? Yeah. And how can I expect somebody to give me a, an hour and 20 minutes of their time, which is how long we've been recording whenever there is so many different options of things to you know, content to consume. So I don't know. I don't know if we uh, really completely, um, you know, wrap this topic up. It's just it's a good a conversation topic. of it, but, about it. Uh, anyway, we do need to wrap it up because it's starting to get a little hot in here. Uh, and so just, you know, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Uh, hey, maybe you can share it on a social media. <laughs> well, let us know your thoughts. Yeah, and, and if, you know, 
I, it's funny because I've actually had people start to like contact me personally, but they don't contact me through a social media, so it almost like doesn't even count. What's the point of social media <laughs> if you're if not you going to give me a like? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, thank y'all for listening, and uh, you know, until next time, peace. Bye.